helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hi, welcome to this episode of the Life Transformation Radio Show. Today we have another interesting show lined up for you. Our show today is part two of the Overcoming Sexual Triggers. For those of you who listened last week, you know that it was a very interesting show. We talked about a lot of things. Melissa and I uh, talked about a lot of things that are not uh, discussed in churches, not discussed in small groups for the most part, because these are just so personal, uh, such personal issues that they're not often brought up, but I think that they're very important issues that I find in my practice as a psychotherapist that affect a lot of Christians. So last week shows part one of the overcoming sexual triggers, and today we are going to be dealing with some more of those triggers and how to overcome them. But before I go into today's show, let me welcome those of you who are first-time listeners, and for all my faithful listeners who have been listening throughout the years, I want to thank you again for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Radio Show. For those who are not familiar with us, we can be reached by phone at one 544 3546 or you can contact us by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry, that, dot com. And we're a Christian uh, counseling organization. We have trained professional psychotherapists and social workers on staff, and we can help you with just about any of your counseling needs or couples needs. And remember, if you're listening to this show and you're in need of help and you think you might not be able to afford it, maybe you are unemployed, don't hesitate to give us a call because we might still be able to work out something for you. And and we do have that ability right now. And we want to use this opportunity to say that we are often able to do this based on donations that we receive from our listeners and from people who have benefited from the service. So if you have benefited from this service and you are in a position to give back, you can uh, make a donation by going to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. And we'll be happy to talk with you if you have any questions about uh, how further questions about how to give donations. So without further delay, I would like to go into today's show and with me in studio to discuss this very, very important topic topic is Melissa Wagat. And Melissa is no stranger to those of you who have been listening throughout the years. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much, Michael. And as you mentioned last week, we really went into a discussion about the triggers themselves. And towards the end of last week's show, we started to talk about some techniques people could utilize if they're feeling triggered when they are in an intimate situation with their partner. And today we're going to go through those techniques even more. So if people are experiencing these triggers in the bedroom or when they're in an intimate time with their partner, We're going to hopefully give you some techniques and strategies you can begin to utilize so that anxiety and those triggers you're feeling um, can can be lessened to a degree. And so last week you were talking about making a list of your triggers and beginning to rank them from least severe to most severe. For the people who may have missed last week's show, can you give us a little bit of a reminder about what you were talking about there as the first step? 
Yes. So we were talking about just being aware of what these triggers are and how intense they are. And last week I touched on this method of assessing triggers that call uh, SUD, S-U-D for short, or in in, in more uh, detailed term, subjective units of disturbance. And a SUD uh, for each trigger is very important because what it does is that it helps you to, to be able to assess just how severe is the anxiety and fear that you feel. For example, if you're touched in a certain way or if certain words are used during intimacy, these words might trigger a level of a level of anxiety and it's important to understand just how how severe so what uh, a, the, the subject the units of disturbance asks the question uh, if if you would rate this trigger that you feel where zero is no disturbance at all to 10 being the most severe disturbance that you could feel when this thing happened how would you rate that trigger and when i ask that kind of a question in in my therapy sessions people would give answers uh, anywhere from a 3 to a 10 and when they talk about triggers that are a 10 in rating they would say yes just by mentioning that word i will start to sweat or i'll feel like i just want to hit my partner in the moment or i feel like i want to run away i feel like i can't breathe and as we uh go through therapy with it with some of these uh some of these triggers, people actually start to display physical symptoms in the sessions themselves. Like they will, they will be crying, or they will start sweating, or they will start having shortness of breath. But I think it's important that very first step of to be able to identify your triggers, what they are, make a list of the triggers, and rate them in terms of severity. Because it is this rating that is going to now help you to take the step to start working on the triggers by working on the least the least severe of the triggers you don't start at the the highest one it's like you know if you're going to, to start running you don't start by running a marathon right away you start by taking f- a few steps but if you haven't run for a long time you t- start by walking then you start by by running shorter distances and so forth so it's the same thing at the, with this you start with the least severe trigger and work your way up from there. And I think that's a really good thing to bring up that when you're going through these types of sessions, especially if someone's not familiar with therapy or counseling, sometimes there's a feeling of if I do that or begin talking about these things, I'm going to start at the marathon level and it's going to be super emotionally intense. But I like how you you said it there that you start with the little things and by ranking it and knowing what those little things are, you ease yourself into those bigger triggers that you yes, have. So yes. if you're feeling reluctant about maybe reaching out for help because you think you're going to be thrown in the deep end right away and asked to run the marathon, it's not that way. It's There's not that way. A, a sequential approach that you utilize yes, to get I, someone where they can mentally and physically run that marathon. And and this is so important, Melissa, because success breeds success. So when I have a client who I take through the least of the trigger and they go back home and they practice and they say, Michael, I did that. And, and it was actually fun this time. For the first time in our married life, I was able to do this thing and really enjoy it instead of having these these symptoms that I had, these these triggers, then it motivates them to take the, take on the next trigger on the list. And, and 
it gives me a sense of a fulfillment when I see people moving moving up the list and being able to tackle the bigger triggers where uh, three weeks before in therapy they couldn't even imagine that they would be even able to to take on such a challenge. So once people have their list in hand, they've did their sud units, <laughs> the subjective units of disturbance. What's the next step that they should begin to do? It's very, very important to create a safe base with your partner. And by creating a safe base, if you're working through this uh, in, a, in, a, in a marital situation, you're saying, well, you know, I'm going through therapy and this is what we're working on and I would like to explore this area that has been a trigger for me. Uh, then the next, the, so the, the creating a safe base would mean that you would say to your partner, okay, we are going to attempt this, but it, it, I want you to understand that if I give you this certain kind of touch, it means that I need to stop. I can't go any further because I'm feeling anxiety. Or if I say this word, it could be a code word. And if you use this word, it means let's take a break. And it's important to have this out because you don't want to be in a situation with your partner where you have been forced to continue into something that is is distressing and you, you don't have a way out. So creating that safe base is very, very important. Uh, safe base in, in, in the timeout, uh, one very good technique in, in, in the timeout period is to just lay your head on your partner's chest and listen to your partner's heartbeat. The, the heartbeat is, is a, is a very, uh, primordial beat that was there, the first beat that we hear in our mother's womb, the beat of her heart. And so there's something that can be very soothing for people who are triggered in, a, in an intimate situation to just listen to that beat and just get in, in touch with that. And a lot of people have said, yes, I have calmed down. I, just by doing that, I was able to calm myself down and I was able to listen again. And there's a lot of other techniques that I don't have time to go into today. But if you are listening to this show and you're realizing that you're triggered and you have not been able to because of fear of how severe this might be, you can make baby steps by having a safe base with your partner, having ways of, of stopping, ways of calming yourself down and ways of restarting. And we talked about this a little bit last week as well, is there's certain qualities within your relationship that yes. should be there when you're when you're having these conversations because but you're being very vulnerable and there's a lot of trust that is needed from your partner if you're sharing these things. How do you know where you're at as a as a couple? That's such a good question, Melissa, because not all relationships are safe. And it's important for you to understand the type of relationship that you're in. There are some people that would say to me, I, I, I could never work on these things in my relationship because if I were even to tell my partner about these triggers and about the fact that I am I was sexually abused, I feel that I can't be vulnerable with my partner because this would be used against me in conflicts that we have. This would be used to put me down. And so uh, it's very important to understand the kind of relationship that you have and if you can be vulnerable. And this takes me into reminding listeners about next week's radio show because in next week's radio show, we are going to be talking about the, the seven characteristics of healthy relationships 
relationship. So if you're in doubt as to whether or not your relationship is safe enough and you want to know what to do to make your relationship safe, be sure to tune in next week when we talk about the seven the seven qualities of, of a healthy healthy marital relationship. So what other advice would you give to someone who's experiencing these these triggers when they're having an intimate relationship? The other thing that we do is to come up with techniques to be able to challenge these triggers. And one way of challenging triggers is through imagery. Uh, sometimes it's not it's not possible right away to go into the actual the actual trigger so you can start talking uh, start imagining the imagery so one one person for example may have a trigger that if their partner would hug them from behind they would automatically feel as if they're being violated or they're in some kind of a of a danger and they'll say, Well, I just can't stand it. If my partner hugs me and I'm not prepared for it, I, I freak out and I feel like I want to hit him. So instead of putting yourself immediately in that situation in real life, in in session, we can imagine that would feel like. So we prepare the situation, we prepare the person to relax and then we use imagery to say, okay, now just imagine that. And then we can rate the disturbance as to how severe it is. And the, the, the wonderful thing is about, uh, it, about this is that we see results almost immediately within the first couple of sessions. We are able to see our results where people are able to say, yeah, I can now imagine that. And my sudden, my subjective unit of disturbance has now gone down from where it was an eight to now it's just about a two or a three, just a little bit uncomfortable, but I can live with that. And this is this this is really very exciting for me because I can see these rewards and I see people who are set free from these I call them strongholds that has been in their life for a number of years. If you have just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today we are talking about part two overcoming sexual triggers. If you've just joined us and missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to listen to it on our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can always call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546, and we'd be happy to give you a copy of today's show. So, Michael, you were just describing a technique um, that you would use in session of imagery. What other techniques do you use in your sessions with clients to help decrease the this, this SUD level, the subjective units of disturbance related to these triggers. Right. One of the tendencies that people have is to try to avoid flashbacks that come up during intimacy that might be might be anxiety provoking. And by avoiding these flashbacks, they they what they're in fact doing is that they're giving these flashback power over over their lives. So what we do is to instead of the instead of uh, avoiding the flashback, we face the flashbacks and we 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 disarm them by giving them new meaning. So, for example, a person who have a certain kind of flashback and would say, "Well, I must be a terrible sinful person to be imagining imagining these thoughts during." Uh, sexual activity with my husband. Now, 
we can re reframe that, giving it new meaning. So a new meaning, for example, could be, this is a memory of something that has happened to me. It is part of, it is part of my experience and I cannot forget it because it is so profound and it is natural for this flashback to come into my mind during sexual intimacy because it was, it, it was, uh, during sex, a sexual activity a forced sexual activity that this take place. So instead of suppressing that thought and pushing it away and going, oh, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to think this and feeling really sinful and awful about this thought. You're giving it a new meaning. It's part of my experience. It's linked to this activity that I am doing. So it's no different than if you were attacked in a certain park. If you walk by that park again, you're going to remember the experience that you had. That doesn't make you a bad person for remembering the experience. So just by uh, coming up with new meaning like that, people are able to get over the anxiety. And as we talk about these flashbacks, what end up happening is that uh, people get over these flashbacks and they start having less of these flashbacks than before when they were trying to suppress them. It's interesting. We've talked about this before. Sometimes when we avoid things, it's almost like they come up more and more than if we just face them in the first place. Yes. Um, what other things can people do to begin to lessen those triggers? Uh, it's also important to to talk about about the triggers that you have. Find safe people in your circles that you can begin to say, "I." have this happen to me. I remember one uh, person who took this advice and she found someone in her in her small group that she was able to confide in and to say, you know what, I have this thing happening to me and I, I find it very distressing. And as she began to talk with this person about this, the person was able to say, you know what, I have the same kind of thing happen to me. I also struggle with this and this is what I did to overcome overcome this flashback. And it was so that just by talking to this person, this other person who had come in to see me before, that she had no idea that this person had suffered or that even anyone in her church was suffering from the same kind of thing. Then she 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 uh was aware that there are, that her friend also suffered, and then she, uh, as a result of that, came in for help. So I think it, it's also very healing to confess the kind of things that you're going through with others. The, the Bible talk about confessing to one another that you may be healed. And so it is that as you talk with other people about things, about uh, troubling fantasies that you have, you realize that you are not sinful, that your situation is not unique. And I'd like to say to my listeners who are listening there, if you're, if you're listening to this show and you have been through a, a, a rape in the past or you have been through a situation where you have been in an incest situation, it's very, very common that you might have unwanted fantasies about these very things that have caused you tremendous pain. So don't beat upon yourself. Don't feel as if you're somehow uh, defective and that there's something wrong with you because you're having this. It's very, very common among people who have experienced these traumatic things. And I think that's what's so great about talking about these things so openly is you begin to recognize that there's other people that are experiencing these things. And it also shows you how your mind works yes. in trying to process these 
traumatizing events. Mm -hmm. It may not make sense to our conscious mind, but by talking about it, you begin to realize that you're not alone. Yes. And you know, there's research that has been, been done by psychologist James Benny Baker. He's a PhD of Southern Methodist University. And he, he, advo- he advocates, he talks about the importance of confiding your forbidden thoughts with others. And what he has said in the research that he found that by doing so, people are able to start feeling better uh, emotionally and physically by talking about these thoughts with others. So it's just not just not something that the Bible encourages us to do, but also psychological research is showing that this is very, very healthy for you physically and emotionally. The opposite of trying to suppress and to, to keep these thoughts down, create lots of stress in our bodies and, and, and create guilt and fear and just exacerbates the, the situation instead of the trigger instead of making it better. I have some questions for you, Michael, about mindset, because I've often heard it in the past that sex has more to do with what's in between our ears mm-hmm. than what's in between our legs. Sorry to be a bit vulgar there. So what are your thoughts about our our mindset as it comes to sex yes. and intimacy and how that impacts our relationships? That's a very good question. And I think it has a lot to do with the mindset that we have, because some of these triggers that we are having and uh, it is as a result of the mindset that we have developed as a result of what has happened before the abuse that has taken place or the unfavorable uh, sexual experiences that we have had before in childhood or in teenage life or even in young adulthood. Those kind of experience gives us a certain mindset about sex. So, for example, there are many Christians who act as if or or have the mindset that sex is something dirty. And if you talk with these people, they will tell you that, oh yeah, sex is is something that's created by God. But if but the way they behave and think about it shows that they have thoughts that make that that see sex as being dirty. So we need to help people as we are dealing with triggers to begin to challenge and to change this mindset. So one mindset would be, instead of thinking about sex being something dirty, to start thinking about sex as being as being holy. And I, I remember one one woman as we we talked about this, and she began to. Uh, to explore this new possibility in her relationship with her husband, to think about it as being holy. There was tremendous transformation because she said, wow, it is so different now. When I think about it, I don't feel this guilt. I don't feel, I don't see it as something to to avoid, but I now see this as something that is in keeping with my, with my values. But I think this this concept of sex being dirty is linked to past sexual activities, unfavorable sexual activities, but also linked to pornography, where a lot of people see things that their partner like as being pornographic. And so they're saying that when these things are discussed or are or, or attempted in, in the bedroom, there is a there is a, a barrier that goes up right away that no, we shouldn't be doing this. Well it's funny too, and I even think about getting a bit personal here, my own teaching around this growing up in terms of to keep you from that premarital sex, when you frame it as sex is dirty, it's not okay, just stay away. That also sticks with you, even if you've not done that act when it's been framed as a way to 
keep you from doing it before marriage. Right, and they're just right. saying it's dirty, it's wrong, it's right, dirty, it's wrong. Right. Avoid that. So that's another mindset, mm-hmm. where, right? Where if you are told to avoid sex before marriage, one mindset that you develop is sex is something to be avoided. And now because you are now married, because you have gone through the marital c- ceremony, it doesn't mean that you flick the switch right away in, in your psychological subconscious state and you go, oh yes, now this is something I want to do. Many people still uh, many people who grew up in very strict religious environment where sex was this thing that you avoid at all costs. And I'm not saying that it is wrong to avoid sex before marriage. I'm saying just the way that it is, th- it is, it is taught in some Christian circles makes sex this very bad thing, where when even after marriage, people want to avoid it at all costs. And so it's not something that they think about with, 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 with uh, joyful alacrity. It is something that they, they, they are thinking thinking it's, a, it's something I need to avoid at all costs because subconsciously in their mind, it is something to be avoided. What other mindset should we begin challenging? One very common mindset uh, for people who have been abused is that sex is something that is being done to me. And so when they are approached by their partner, the trigger right away says, this is something bad being done to me, and I don't want to partake in this thing because you want to do something to me. And I think that mindset needs to be changed to one that says sex is a mutual expression of love. It is not something that has been done to me against my will. It is something that I am joyously partaking in, uh, and it's a mutual expression of our love together. And this just this simple change of thinking about it can create a difference in your action over time. What other things do you begin challenging when you're in session with people from a mindset perspective? Uh, one other uh, thing is that sex is, uh, uh, is someone showing interest in my body and not in me as a person. So these are, are people who have, who have been objectified by sex, sexual acts in their teenage years or by how they were treated when they were abused as young children. And so when, they, when, some, when their partners show sexual interest, they're feeling, you're only, you're only interested in my body. And so people who have that kind of a thought that my partner is only interested in my body because they, they have this frequent desire for sex, it's, it's, that should be transformed to it is natural and healthy for my partner to be attracted to my body and to desire me and to desire to have frequent intimacy with me. So instead of seeing it as you are being used, you can see it as I am being desired and it's quite healthy and natural for my partner to desire me. And so if you begin to challenge these mindset, it can make a big difference in how you go about uh, about intimacy. So we have actually uh, come to the end of today's show, Melissa. We are, we are quickly out of time today. And I want to say that if you're listening to this show and you have any kind of triggers, you realize that you're stuck in your marital life and you just can't seem to get past, you are 
able to change. You can get help. Things can be different. I've seen people who for 20, 30 years have been stuck and their lives have been changed by going through the procedures that we take them through at Elam Counseling Services. So if you need help, give us a call. Our number is 613, sorry, one 877 Again, one 877 one eight seven seven five four four three five four six, or you can go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Thanks so much for letting me join you in studio again today, Michael. It was such a pleasure, Melissa, being with you. And I want to remember, remind our listeners about next week's show as we will be dealing with seven qualities of a healthy marriage. Maybe you want to know if the marriage you're into is, is one that needs help or if what you're going through is normal. Be sure to tune in next week. And again, you can find out more if you have missed the first part of this show. You can listen to it by going to our website at Elam counselingministry.com Elam is spelled E-L-I-M counseling with two L's ministry.com or you can call us at one 544 3546 and I want to encourage you if you have benefited from this show in any way please consider giving a donation to this ministry because donation keeps us on the air and helps us to continue helping others. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Music